0: This is Peter,
1: and this is Tom,
0: and you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm really excited for it, considering the fact that it's late. We've had a long day, and I'm like super amped for this, Tom. Tom.
1: Well, yeah, it's been a long day. You're tired and you talk about this spooky stuff today. You're going to have nightmares, Pete. It's not going to go Uh, well
0: for you. uh, You know what? I am inclined
1: to to having those sometimes. So, yeah. That's not good. You're going to wake up in those night terrors. And I'm actually eating cookies right now.
0: My son baked cookies with little ghosts on them. So, like, go figure. Everything's set. This is our first uh, October episode. Not ever, yes. obviously, but of this October. So, Tom, what are we talking about today?
1: Well, since we're talking about, I guess, kind of a Halloween October, right? The spookiness, you might as well go from the root of the source. So, today we're going to talk about the history behind the inspiration to Dracula, the one person known as Vlad the Impaler.
0: I wonder why he got that name. Well, we're
1: going to be talking about that because this I- guy, if you do some deep dives into Vlad the Impaler, it's like, wow. and How, like how much people like him too. It's like, well, why would people like, like nowadays, not then, but like now he's like, he has a big, he's a folk hero.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the like crazy stories about him came out while he was still alive. Like this was just.
1: Yeah. And, oh, and you're wow. not even crazy. They're like true. Like yeah. from everything, like, no, this is what he did. Like, yeah, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I was looking at like historians trying to figure out if it was true, but this is like one of the reasons was there was obviously books that came out during his time saying like, this guy's crazy. Look what he did. But there was books that came out during his time that were like, this guy's a hero. Look what he did. And it talks about the same thing. So they're like, well, if someone glorifies him and vilifies him for the same events, that probably adds to the credibility of that event. Not to mention the fact that historians now commonly believe that what we are going to talk about today is indeed. I mean, it is, it's, it's history. It's truth. This is what this guy did. And, you know, Vlad the Impaler, which Vlad III, by the way, of Wallachia. I can't pronounce it. Wallachia. You yeah, you're right. Wallachia. 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 Um, just, you know, we're going to get into all that. And I think we'll talk about a little bit about Dracula wine as well. I mean, we like Dracula. Um, and what right the, way, well, where
1: that name comes from, too, because it means right, something, which we'll get it to. It does.
0: It does. Um, but before we get going about Vlad the Third, you know, born in 1431, um, when I think, like, when you think, how about this, Tom? When you think of... Dracula. First thing that pops in your head. First Dracula you think of. Go.
1: I still see that whole like um what's that? Nefranyatu. You ever see that, that that thing?
0: That old school thing, that scary looking yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I always see that one. They always show that one with that the scary fingers and like that scary thing. Then like the universal Dracula, I guess. I do not see um sparkling vampires in, in daylights in Seattle. That's <laughs> not really my um, that's not really my thing when it comes to vampires. But um and I guess um I remember, remember we're we we're child of the eighties, obviously the lost boys, right? I yes. definitely I think they're remaking that, too, I saw.
0: I heard that, yeah. You know, when I think of Dracula, I actually think of a movie that not a lot of people remember, but I think it's a cult classic, and it's Monster Squad. I know of that movie.
1: I've seen it. I've definitely seen it.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like Goonies with monsters. He, he's,
1: he's bad in Dracula, right? Yeah, he's yeah, bad. yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's been like all your quintessential like, monsters. And basically, like, think of Goonies battling monsters. If it was never, if anyone hasn't seen this movie, it's called Monster Squad. Pretty sure it's an Amazon Prime. Watch it. Because it's good. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so let's do this Here's your so, plug. It's yeah, a plug. There's, um, well, not for me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? They not, like they yeah, need it's... a plug, right? Yeah. Um, so Vlad the was born in 1431 in Transylvania. It is um, also known as the region of Wallachia, and it is a mountainous region in modern-day Romania. Just so on the same page. Uh, his father was Vlad the Second, and he was the ruler of Wallachia, um, which is kind of located. It's like this area that's located south of Transylvania. So that, you know, just kind of a situation context to this, that Transylvania or modern day uh, Romania was situated between the Christian Empire. Think of like um, Europe, basically, and the Muslim lands of the Ottoman Empire and Transylvania and Wallachia being right in the dead center were frequently the scene of like bloody battles between the Ottoman forces that were trying to push westward into Europe. And Back and forth, then you have Christian crusaders and crusades that are like fighting against well, is, yeah. the Ottoman Empire. This is, in the,
1: this is in the 1400s, so there's just wars and battles, and
0: yeah, literally, and they could be your reign. last,
1: you could just be yeah, killed,
0: exactly. And invaders, whether it's Christian crusades, uh, Christian crusaders, or whether you have the Ottomans, are basically invading and marching eastward or westward through you know, towards like the Holy Land, um, and the crusaders. You know, at least for the Crusaders, they're marching eastward. Um, they're marching through Transylvania, and that's kind of what Vlad is born into, right? So let's yeah, that's get how into- he kind of gets
1: his name. Yeah. Well, first of yeah. all, like I'm he, um, his father was Vlad the Second Dracul. That was his father's name. So he takes the name Dracula, which literally means "son of Dracul." And yep. um, he did this when he was initiated into the secret order of knights known as the yep. Order of the Dragon. So that's yeah. where they get that name from. So that's where Dracula comes from. actually it just means the uh, son of Dracul and that was his father's name. And like you said before, he becomes kind of this folk hero in this region because of his efforts against these Ottoman encroachments. The people in in, in that area, in Transylvania, in um,
0: Romania, I guess, yeah.
1: In uh, Romania. Wallachia. In, um, what Wallachia, they're They don't like the Ottomans coming all the time. So the Ottomans are the ones saying this guy's brutal and he, his tactics were brutal anyway, way you look at it. But he kind of realized he kind of like had to do this um, because it was the only way he would really like stand up to the Ottomans. So he was surrounded by enemies, right? The Hungarians, the Ottomans, right? Um, his his younger brother actually, right? Other nobility. So he employed this like really ext- uh, crucial, I mean really cruel extreme measures to instill fear in those who were like against him, who opposed him. And that's where he earned um, his nickname because his most, common that he did was he impaled his enemies on stakes yes. that's just like basically what he did to for this to happen and it, it's a brutal way to die he would kill thousands of people this way
0: and we're going to get into some of the specifics of how he impaled them i mean this was not like yeah n- nice this was pretty intense. and basically Bran
1: stoker is the one that takes that name in terms of the a whole vampire myth um I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves but there's no evidence and they do not believe that vlad the impaler ever drank blood he, something he did—he killed yep. people. Not saying he was a nice guy, but he wasn't drinking blood. It just wasn't something that. And that,
0: actually, that the comes castle, later on. like the castle that's often castles
1: there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But if you if you read into it, the castle that's in Transylvania that's often seen as like Vlad's castle and the one that's an inspiration for Dracula. He actually never was in. It was so he was in a different castle, which I thought that was really interesting. Um, so Dracula, the reason why, um, Stoker picked the the name Dracula for his novel is because after Vlad, right, the Impaler, um, did all the terrible things he did in history, his name became synonymous, Dracul became synonymous um, with the word devil. Um, So prior to this, it wasn't. Prior to this, it actually ordered the the dragon. yeah. Yeah, it came from a dragon. And then after him, historically, in Romanian language, Drac referred to a A creature, the devil. So that is why the author of Dracula kind of became attracted to the ward because of the fact that it meant devil. But the only reason it meant devil is because of what this guy did. Right? So he has an interesting childhood, I I think. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You have the Order of the Dragon. His father, uh, Vlad II, is in this Order of the Dragon. Um, Basically, their biggest task of this order is to defeat the Turks or the Ottoman Empire. Basically, because that's one and the same. Uh, in this case. So uh Vlad II is called to this diplomatic meeting in 1440, I think 42. 42. Yeah. Yep. With this Ottoman Sultan. Right. And he brings his, two- the second, right. Yes. Is that we found around yep, the second. Yep, II. And he brings his two sons with him, right. Vlad the third or Radu. So Vlad the third is obviously who becomes Dracula. Um, the Meeting was actually a trap, right? So Vlad II goes to suppose this diplomatic meeting to this Ottoman sultan, and he's supposed to like prove his allegiance. But really, uh, the three of them are arrested and held hostage. And the father, Vlad II, is released, but the only reason he, the way he's released is under the condition if he leaves his sons behind. So he's like, All right, peace, uh, as messed up as that is. And he like leaves Vlad III or the Vlad the Impaler and the other son behind in captivity while he basically goes on um comes actually goes back to transylvania and continues this ongoing war with the turks and the ottoman empire so while he does this knowing that he's going against the turks and the ottoman empire he's pretty much sure like that his kids are dead like he's like yeah they're died because i'm going against this guy um but that's not really the case obviously under the Ottomans, Vlad, um, the Impaler, again, he's a young kid now, and his younger brother are tutored. Though they're not really thrown in a the dungeon; they're tutored. Yeah, and like the older
1: brother, the the one brother, Radu, he had, he he kind of did well there. But yeah, Vlad he liked it. Didn't. He actually became yeah.
0: like the uh, he he turned. Towards well, he was yeah yeah
1: yeah he became very towards the Ottoman. That's why him and his brother didn't get along later on. He's always nope. worried his brother was going to try to like take over, take his reign and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Um, So Vlad became a skilled horseman, warrior. I mean, they really taught him all these kinds of... They also beat him him a lot too, Vlad. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Um, They
1: said that's probably where he learned a lot of his um, interrogation tactics because a lot of it was probably done to him or he saw it happening a lot from the the Ottomans.
0: Yeah. So the major difference in his captivity, these years of captivity as a child under the Ottomans, is that Vlad, he's angry by this. Meanwhile, his brother... It basically says, all right, this is not bad. And he goes over to the Ottoman side. So his brother almost like betrays him. And eventually Vlad escapes, right? I mean, that's at least what I found. Is that what he
1: found? Yeah, he escaped. It might have been helped a little bit, but he escaped.
0: So he escapes. But by the time he escapes, um, his father, Vlad II, is actually ousted as the ruler of his region of Wallachia. um, And he is replaced by some other guy. Vlad Escape kind of starts this... He embarks on this campaign to like regain his father's seat as the new ruler you know um but at first he has to get rid of the ruler that took over who's Vladislav ii i mean somebody's again there's so many names here when i was reading this at first it doesn't really work out um until finally he wins his father's seat um and he becomes the ruler of Wallachia, right but it's very short lived because after like two months they actually the other guy returns and like kicks him out um And then he disappears for a little bit. Like he regains his father's throne for a couple months. He then is thrown out and he disappeared by say a little bit. Um, He disappears from like 1448 to 1456. And not much is known during that time. Um, What we do know for a fact is that he definitely gave up any allegiance whatsoever officially to the Ottoman um, Empire. And kind of leaned towards the Hungarian side because the Hungarians were fighting the Ottomans at this time. And he, with the support of the king of Hungary, he once again tries to regain his father's or his family's throne, right? So that's what we have. Um, what I found is that he manages to do that in 1456. And one of the first orders of business in his new role is to basically stop paying any tribute to the Ottoman Sultan. He's like, forget it. Even though Wallachia or Transylvania is this little area that's closer to the Ottoman Empire than the Christian Empire, so it's almost like paying protection. They had to protect the Ottoman, pay the Ottoman Empire. First thing he does is basically like, no, we're not paying the Ottoman Sultan, forget you. And that is where we start, really, the, the story of Vlad the Impaler. Well, because, one, I mean, he... Well, he takes power, and he, he takes it brutally. Yep.
1: And what he basically does is he has everyone who was against him or could his be father. against yep. him in some way, he has them killed.
0: But and how he though prob- he invites them over. Do you see that? Yeah. Like he actually yeah. invites them over. Well, so again, he's doing what
1: was done to him. He, he, yeah, kinda, like he banquets. sees that, that it works.
0: Yep. So he invites people to his banquets and he's like, all right, we got this. And then, um, as he invites people over, then he literally orders them stabbed and impaled. Like he impales them with these spikes that he puts out in front of his castle. Yeah, like, and that, because that happen. was
1: like basically a way of terrorizing people and scaring them any potential invaders away. Like, this is what's going to happen to you if you come here. Yeah. This is going to happen to you if you don't follow my rules. And, like, whether you agree with it or not, like, fear is a powerful weapon. Um, it's probably not the best one to use, but you can control people if you can make them fear you. That's just a fact, right? Yeah. Um, like, they might, I'm not saying they're not going to rise up and do everything, but if you can, if people will fear, they they will I mean I fear can control. There's no yeah, doubt about we, that. Should
0: we should we I mean I guess we could get specific. What is impaling, guys? I mean, impaling is basically a form of torture and death. And this might be graphic, so if, if you guys are not into graphic, you know you might want to fast forward this part. Um it's where you like a wood or a metal pole is inserted through like the bodies either front to back or vertically, but really through like the rectum of a vagina, yeah. right? Um, and, slowly, and it literally exits up through, like, the victim's neck, shoulders, or mouth. Just like, gravity. Literally. Just slowly through gravity. Yep. It, it's
1: crazy. It's slow. It's, it's a slow, torturous way. And even he, though know, he's known as the Impaler, I saw a lot of things like to call him that he wasn't, like, a one-trick pony, whatever you want to call it, because he did – he used to blind people. He would scout people, burn, boil, uh, disembowel, did disarm. Dis, whole, like, so, uh, oh, he did, did everything.
0: Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. They did everything. But also when you look at the impaling thing, they said that the pole oftentimes what he liked to do, um, kinda kinda go along with what he's saying, like this torture is craziness. He would have the pole be rounded, not sharp. So it would actually avoid it... damaging any internal organs and like prolong the suffering of the victim. So that like yeah, they would insert this the victim. Yep. And then like they would raise it vertically and display the victims like torment. And it took hours, even sometimes days, for the impaled person to slowly die as he was sliding down. I mean, this was like crazy basically anytime anyone went against him in any way shape or form that was his go-to these diplomatic diplomatic um envoys were sent by the ottomans to meet with vlad in 1459 um did you see this one and uh which one was this This they refused their hats the hats based on religious custom no into that one
1: Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They've yeah, this happened yeah. after. Well, they give a context. So he there was like a battle, right? In like whatever yeah. it was, fourteen sixty-two, whatever. And he actually lost the battle. He's retreating, but they already captured like twenty thousand Ottomans. So he just said, "All right, impale them all on wooden stakes and leave them outside of the city." So then, when the Sultan comes later on, he came across the field and he just saw literally twenty thousand soldiers all being picked apart by crows. He was like so horrified and disgusted. He just retreated and went back to Constantinople. He's like, "Forget it." And that's what Vlad wanted. Like they're like, it's just not worth the mess. It's just not worth it. So on another, so yeah, this one, then he meets a group of, of the envoys who refuse to remove their turbans. Yeah. And I'll uh, go ahead. What happened?
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically they, they refuse to remove their turbans and they're saying that they're citing like religious custom. And he goes, I commend you on your religious uh, devotion. And he actually orders, um, for their turbans to be nailed to the diplomats' skulls, three nails each. Yeah. Um, these people are alive with, like, nails in their brains, basically. So they so can never take so them so you off. Don't, yeah, you don't, so that, you don't want to take these off? You want to take it Sounds off?
1: Sounds good. You never will take it off. I'm going to hammer it into your skull. Like, think about that. Like, oh. that is brutal. That's brutal. But. I mean...
0: But the thing is, he's getting, like, kind of good publicity for this. Like, Vlad's victories over, like, the invading Ottomans, right? Especially through, like, little, you know, Wallachia uh, and Transylvania. Like rest of europe is like wow like this guy's standing up to the ottomans right they were like even the pope was apparently impressed by this um hello my name is peter zablaki and i'm a historian author and college professor i'm thrilled to invite you to check out evergreen network's history shorts podcast every tuesday and thursday join me on a journey through time exploring the little known and hidden gems of history subscribe now and never miss an episode of the history shorts podcast available wherever you get your podcasts but obviously you know then news started really kind of coming out um there's also tales and again there's not it's not proven that um he would dip his bread in blood of his victims um, yeah i saw
1: that there's a lot of people say that never happened, yeah, that never like happened. I said before that's he probably didn't I but i mean He didn't seem to be like like he didn't. Once you were dead, that's what he wanted. He wanted some sort of way that was going to scare others and intimidate others. Like he wanted that death to, in a way, like mean something, like to benefit him. He wanted that death basically to benefit him in some way. It is.
0: See that it's estimated that he killed about eighty thousand people through like various means. Kind of going back to what he said before, it wasn't all impaled, but about twenty thousand people were impaled and put on display right outside his city.
1: Yeah, that's what you do. As you would like ride into the city, you would see this. And he also keep kept people like in check with fear, like I said before, by doing things like this. There was this um story that there was this this golden chalice in the city. Did you see this one? Like a golden no, I didn't cup. See this one. And it was, you know, this was like a very really poor part of the city. And he left this golden cup there, and it would always be, you know, it was by a fountain, so you'd fill it, you'd use it to drink water. And he said, Anyone can drink from this. Doesn't matter where your birthplace is, what your nobility rank is, you can drink from this. The only condition is that. It never leaves the cup itself, and never leaves the city. Now, this is a poor area, and this is this golden cup. You can see pictures of it online, and no one ever stole it because they knew what was going to happen. If someone took it, if it wasn't there, they were all probably be they were all probably be impaled. So it really just showed he did that not to be nice. He did it more to show like listen, I'm gonna, I know they're not. No one's going to take this because they know what's going to happen if they do. So he's showing his power over people by doing that.
0: That's crazy, dude. There's like a mother and a baby and then he tried to – like the way he impaled the mother and the baby is that he tried to do it all in the same time. And like he one. would impale the baby and the mother. And like there's a one particular area – I mean not area, one particular account where the baby was still attempted to drink from the mother's breast while it, oh, they were yeah. both impaled.
1: I know he did kill women and children. He had no problem with that.
0: No, he didn't have a problem with that, no.
1: Especially if they were Ottomans. Yeah, he had no problem with that. It was just something that he uh, basically did. But he was actually um, captured again. I'm sure you saw this, right? Yep, yep, yep. So he became captured. He basically goes with this guy, um, Cornvis, and he's one of the um, – an ally in the past, and the Pope sends him on a crusade. They don't win, more or less. So he's running out of money, so he goes with this king to get more money, and they alliance. And the king just throws him in jail for 12 years. Yep. Basically because uh, – and puts his brother Radu in power, and he becomes kind of an Ottoman puppet. And stuff like that, yep. and um, yes, yeah, so and while he's there, he basically you know he's in peace in prison, but he's not imprisoned. He's yeah, he already like, got like married
0: a, or something during this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: he was basically having affairs with all of the noblemen's wives while he was there, and yeah, yeah. he eventually gets married. So like, yeah, he's, he he's also just, converts he's,
0: to Catholic. Yeah, becomes a Catholic.
1: Yeah, he's enjoying his time there, and then when his uh, brother dies in uh, fourteen seventy five, there's a lot of pressure on that on uh, Cornvis to let. That the flat out, um, they wanted to reclaim his throne, and all the Hungarians, in particular, the ones like forcing this, and he does take it back in uh, f- uh, fourteen seventy six. But then, you know he uh, he dies shortly after that. He gets uh, attacked and killed while on uh, again going off the war.
0: There's so many stories out, but we also have to mention that the reason why there is so many stories because this is the time where you have the invention of the printing press. It's almost yeah, like people so- writing it down.
1: People are talking about him. He's he, that's why he becomes a folk hero because yep. the people in that area love him and the people right outside the area hate him. So he's a very galvanizing individual.
0: They said that his stories, stories about him, were some of the first like mass written, produced story like books, and they were some of the first like bestsellers, um, specifically yeah. in Europe. And this guy's still alive when this is happening. You know, people are like, "All right." Because you have the, it was an invention of the movable type printing. So they said it was like one of the first bestsellers in Europe was stories about Vlad, which is crazy. And also to like enhance the sales, they would publish these books with like these elaborate drawings and stuff that like depicted horrific scenes to try to showcase what he was doing. They said that, do you see the one with the cauldron? Like he had this big copper cauldron that was built and he would put like a lid made of wood with holes, right? And then he would put people in the cauldron and put their heads in the holes and then fasten them there. And he like filled it with hot water and set the fire under it to let people literally cry their eyes out until like they were boiled to death.
1: There was almost, there was a, crazy. the Ottomans would do something like that too, with like a bowl. Did you ever see that? No. It was like a, a like an iron or metal bowl and they would put you in, inside. It might have been the Ottomans, might have been something, and then boil. You would be boiled alive inside the bowl and they would know you were dead when the steam started coming out of the bowl's nostrils. Damn. Because that means it was, you know, you're being cooked inside of it.
0: It's crazy. There's also another story. Um, that came out in 1499, um, where he actually had a woman impaled, and then he cut off her breasts and stuck the baby headfirst inside of her chest uh, by cracking her ribs. And that way, when the impaling was going through, it would impale her and the baby together. I did I did hear that one, but there's one time I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that's um, crazy. But again,
1: he's doing all this so that people see how brutal it is if you oppose him in some way. That it it becomes almost like it's not worth going against him because if by some chance we get captured, if by some chance, you know, we lose, look what's going to happen. But it also made people hate him. And that's what leads to his undoing because they kind of ambush him and they kill him. And they never found his body. What they believe has happened is that they took his body and just basically dismembered it. And then they're saying that their rumor is that um, it was given to the, 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 the sultan, right, the Ottoman leader. And mm-hmm. then he kind of just like took the body parts and just, just handed them out to members of his court as like a souvenir, like here, this, because he was such a well-known figure, like you were saying before, Pete. So now you have a, you know, this is a chunk of Vlad the Impaler. Oh. Nuts. Nuts. <laughs> like, so
0: that, By today's yeah. standards, I mean, I don't think there's any dispute... Among historians, but today's standards, Vlad would most definitely uh, be trialed for genocide and war crimes. Yes, come on, mate. that's not even good. <laughs> I don't think that's really right. would we,
1: by today's standards, by any but, standard, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but back then they did it. I mean, think about it. This guy lives in this tiny little area of this small country in comparison to this oh, humongous Ottoman Empire, and he's his brutality is actually stopping the Ottoman Empire from crossing through his land. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the, in the sense. Yeah. He's successful. It's just this is like researching well, yeah, it, this. It, I was like, "This is not." That's nuts. why he's doing it
1: is, That's why he's doing it is because it's working.
0: Yeah, it's just nuts. I I can't. Um, I mean, we. Could, it's almost like all right. I could see why his name Dracul eventually in Romanian became synonymous with the word devil, and it changed the meaning of the word from dragon to devil. But I mean, like you said, we don't really know how how the dude died. I mean, there's really. No particular specific evidence.
1: That's um, for like the vampire. He's a vampire. He's still there. Right.
0: Um, well, no, that's basically,
1: I guess we can get, in, you want to get into that, like talk about yeah. that with uh, the whole, what, what do you got? Stroker. Well, I I just, the idea that Stroker went in 18, 1890s, right? He, yep. he writes the whole, he writes the book and he really didn't do any, mu- any real. How do I say this? He
0: never actually even and, went to Transylvania. There was no, he no never real went research there. Part of
1: yeah, he he never he, he didn't do any research. He never really like went that much into um, anything about Dracula, anything about him. It was was more of he read a few accounts. He didn't know much about Valentin Impaler, Paler. Pair- um but he just knew he knew a little bit about like Attila the Hun and stuff like that, and like oh, this other guys kind of like that. So I kind of just you know he just knew that Vlad was a wicked man. That's really it from some German stories that he read. That's what really, he really talked about. Yeah, There's nothing just, really
0: specific. Just yeah. kind of took
1: the name. Because really, the book itself doesn't contain any references whatsoever to the historical figure of actually Vlad the Impaler. Um, the name just kind of like, he just took the name. He borrowed the name, basically.
0: Crazy. I, it, was it, funny becomes, it, it, it becomes what it becomes, you know? Yeah, I started reading like potential inspirations for Stoker's Dracula uh, one one dealt with like food because apparently he had a, it was a nightmare. He had a nightmare because of some he ate some like crab for dinner. And, uh, and he spoke about this later. And he said like he woke up in the middle of the night through his nightmare. And that kind of gave him the idea. He woke up and wrote these notes. Um, and like that is the beginning of Dracula. And then the other thing is he also started writing this at the time where Jack the Ripper started making headlines. So they said that might have potentially inspired him. Also, uh, we know for a fact he was given a book about relation history, which is he, what he was reading at the time of him coming up with this story. You know, again, we don't I think he really just from what I read, he just liked the name.
1: That's really what it was. Yeah, the name, the name, and he knew he knew it was of Val uh, the Paler and that he was a bad person. Why not? You know, he's just one of his personal yep. histories who just kind of took him But it wasn't supposed to be really based on him in any way, shape or form. He, like he said, he's just it's just kind of like the name.
0: Crazy. Do you know that originally Dracula, the novel, was supposed to be called The Dead Undead and eventually was shortened to just The Undead. And then until the very last moment, it was just The Undead. And then they're like, ah, uh, he just decided, let me just change it to Dracula.
1: Yeah, the title character. And that's that kind of just took off from there.
0: The book itself is in like the public domain. You could literally get it Well, because it was anyway. written so
1: long ago, right?
0: Yeah, and no, no one renewed it. So that's
1: we that's what happened with like a lot of those things. Like yeah. uh, it's Dracula. Um, Dracula.
0: <laughs> All right. So with regards to this, we should I think we should also, you know, before we close up this, um, even though he was like super vicious, right? His campaigns against the Ottomans actually protected Wallachia and Europe. Um, yeah. Well, a
1: lot of them, like I said, he's, he's a hero. The to Ottomans. Some. And, yeah. He's a yeah, military they, leader they st- as a hero. They still talk to him. They say, no, he's a, he's a hero because he protected them from these Ottoman invasions. So he's very well respected in parts of the world. Other parts of the world. He's not like most of the world. He's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. And by today's standards and any standards, as you said, but at the time it was like he, he, I mean, if not the Ottomans were coming through his area and going to Europe. So as far as Europe was concerned, they're like, all right, that's cool. So I mean I don't I don't do you have anything else that might be like
1: well I mean there's like uh, I guess we can talk about a few interesting I know we're talking about for some stories but um, one thing that he did hate he apparently um, he hated a poverty he just thought it was like disgusting huh, I so he did he he did find a way to fix poverty so what he did was um, it, and it kind of fit into what he did he no, came up with what
0: child it was yeah. I'm
1: thinking like I'm thinking. Dumb,
0: Come on. I don't know what I'm thinking. Malaysia. <laughs> I'm thinking he came I'm up tired. with um, a solution
1: for this. Basically, um, what he did was he took a lot of the vagabonds and all the cripples and the poor in his country and he invited them all to this massive grand feast, kind of like what he does. And while they were ed- eating and drinking to the night, um, they were praising and they were singing songs, oh, thank you, Vlad, you know, stuff like that. He um, it was in this giant hall. He just locked the doors of the hall and set it on fire. And apparently, he walked his so advice. He's like, the problem's fixed. And just wow. walked away. So, again, it's showing his brutality, but that's what he thought. He thought killing someone was nothing to him. It was just a way, it was an ends to a means. He was like, All right, these people are being a problem. They're not listening. Or in this case, they're just being like a um, drain on our society in some way. Like they're not, in his mind, they're being a drain. They're not producing enough to help, the you know, justify it. Just get rid of them. Just, that is- this is what we're going to do. Come here, have a feast, yay. And then, in his own mind, he's being nice because at least they went out on a with a full stomach, you know? That was, that was his, like,
0: mindset. Well, today, uh, we see Dracula. Actually, Dracula has appeared in more than 200 films. We um, so could do quite something else on Dracula, too, I guess. Seriously, in future, right? quite a cinematic. It's like the, 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 uh, the vampire myth, right? right? Aren't there
1: people out there that think they're vampires?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a thing. That's a whole thing, um, right? The most famous. Oh, yeah, they're going to come after
1: us now. That's why I said that. Before.
0: Oh, man. Let's see what you started. Um, the most famous portrayal okay. of Dracula apparently is Christopher Lee, who played him eleven times.
1: Oh, well, is that. that the No, Christopher Lee?
0: Yeah, which, like which one that was Star who? Wars? Isn't that the Star Wars guy? He wasn't he like Count Dooku or something? maybe yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah. i should know i was that.
1: thinking it was uh who's that guy who's like the german not the german
0: guy but the guy who did all like the, uh, uh, the other guy that Dracula. did him in like 30s and stuff yeah yeah i know what yeah. you're talking about well the main Steve, the first um, the first depiction is the movie you said was the yeah, Nos- Nef- the, Nef- 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 yeah but he's Nef- kind yeah. of like this real like decrepit thing yeah in 1922 that came out the 30s one was
1: when they made him Dracula like 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 handsome and like a Casanova type of thing you know like seducing you with his with his uh, with his hypnotic mm. ways and stuff, like that. and then it becomes all different. Really, in what was that movie that really made the vampires like, like sex objects? Was um, Interview with a Vampire?
0: Yes, right?
1: was that yep, Brad yep, Pitt yep. and stuff? Tom Cruise? Yeah. yep, yep. That kind of changed also, it. And then obviously you get the whole Twilight craziness.
0: But if you read Dracula, right? I don't know if last time we read it, but um, yeah. so Dracula is described in the original book having a really heavy mustache. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of
1: those. I want yeah, like your like all these it like, Yeah, it was like a
0: heavy mustache. It makes mustache.
1: sense. Well, it makes sense in that 8th piece. If you look at pictures of like Vlad, doesn't he have a mustache?
0: Yeah, he does.
1: He had that mustache and this isn't like you – know, even, even though he was not based on him but somewhat is. But if you look at like the 1800s, like a lot of men had mustaches. So it makes sense,
0: you know? So they said that uh, the beards. closest – Yeah, so it was a mustache over like a cruel-looking mouth with like sharp teeth. But um, the closest the films ever got to that rendition of it or example of it was Gary Oldman um, iteration, right? Because they basically yeah. – they this is interesting he, that, too for our podcast. That they was made Brent Stoker's Dracula, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Brent Stoker's Dracula like, in 1990, 91. But they actually made him look particularly like Vlad the Impaler um, and not necessarily like your typical Dracula. So they used the real thing – Although we really don't know if the real thing has any connection to it. As yeah, the it
1: doesn't seem to, other than like to you us, said the beginning right. and the brutality,
0: I guess. Right. All right I guess right. And that's usually the um as usually the case with novels, it was not an instant success at first. And now when you say Dracula, everyone knows who we're talking about. Oh, yeah, but yeah, now they'll exactly know that there is Vlad the Impaler behind that story somewhere. 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 Anyway, Tommy, I think this is this is a good way to finish this this one yeah i mean it's our little like uh, you know true intro.
1: history intro intro or ever into our uh, our spooky uh, halloween month i guess right
0: that's right that's right we'll try that's to do
1: some fun. other ones, i guess this we we'll try to have a theme this month and we're probably not going to stick to this theme yeah we're not going to stick let's that. be honest who knows maybe we'll, have, oh, knows. Maybe we'll <laughs> yeah. have something else we we had some ideas we got we some do. ideas we do we do
0: so for everyone that tuned in once more thank you so so much if you need to contact us please feel free to do so at history com. you could also find us throughout social media so please feel free to uh, shoot us an email if you guys you know have questions or comments and until next week thank you so much take care guys stay safe everybody I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast and if you would like to email us you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com
2: welcome to anthology of heroes the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it in this podcast we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates instead we follow in the footsteps of national heroes kings or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world we're not hemmed in by eras borders or religions Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute